0: Hello and welcome to Spark. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them across the UK. This story was told by Steph. At the Brixton Ritzy. When the theme was passion.
1: Enjoy. Do any of you here watch the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. If, (laughs) If you're not, you're missing out. If you are watching it, then you will know that last season, the main character, Rebecca, was diagnosed with a mental health condition called borderline. And her doctor explained it to her in the following way. A person with borderline is someone who has difficulty regulating their emotions. They're someone who lacks the protective emotional skin to feel comfortable in the world. I got my diagnosis nine years ago, and this is the best definition I've ever heard of it. I've always felt uncomfortable in the world. When your emotions tend to come at you like a high-speed train seemingly out of nowhere, it's difficult to ever relax. The world feels like it's covered in spikes sometimes. I'm German, and true to the cliché, I didn't really grow up with feelings. I didn't see my dad have an emotion until I was 18. And because you can't deal with what you can't name, I had limited options, and so my primary emotion became fear. I am and was passionately afraid of everything, especially other people. I was and still am terrified of rejection, judgment, relationships, asking strangers for the time, you name it. There are different ways to deal with this kind of thing. I chose to go into hiding. Around the age of 10, I convinced myself that things like... Hobbies and jobs and close friends were for other people, not me. So I tried to make myself as small as I possibly could and hope that nobody would see me. Around the age of 20, I was so afraid that I couldn't see my future. I read a statistic somewhere that apparently about 70% of people who are diagnosed with borderline will at some point in their lives attempt suicide. 7 out of 10. I'm in the lucky minority of the statistic, but I too have stared into the abyss a lot. So I know the way to that point. So that's when I realized I had to change course. I decided to find help and I was lucky enough to get it. I started therapy where I learned the words that were necessary to actually talk about what was going on in my head. I realized that it had become second nature to me over the years to just avoid doing anything that could make me feel vulnerable in any way. My brain wouldn't even bother feeling afraid anymore. It just goes straight to doing that. No. So I would dare myself to do things. I learned to recognize whenever I was about to avoid doing something just out of sheer habit and I would find a way to do that thing. Now this is really fucking hard work and it takes a really long time and I only have five minutes. Over the past 10 years, among many other things, I have dared myself to move country, get a job in a field that I really love. I've dared myself to join theater groups and a choir to write and perform my own poetry. And I once dared myself to do a contemporary dance piece in front of a group of people. Bigger than this, I'm not a trained dancer. (laughs) I dared myself to make friends and sometimes I text them and ask them if they want to hang out, which is still the number one scary thing worse than anything I just mentioned, including the contemporary dance. The shame researcher and author Brene Brown says that we cannot selectively numb emotions. By trying to minimize my fear and my sadness, I ended up minimizing every other part of myself until there was nothing left, which is a shame because going back to the high speed train of emotions, if I'm able to feel fear this strongly, then the same thing goes for joy, excitement, compassion, love, all the good stuff. I've learned that there's a difference between I don't want to and I'm afraid to. And learning to recognize that difference and working through the fear rather than against it really opens up your life. I've still got a really long way to go. I'm far from fearless and I still stare into the abyss a lot sometimes. But I'm starting to feel comfortable in the world. I'm now able to walk towards things and people that scare me because I've learned that those tend to be the things that make us better and I am now able to allow myself to actually get really excited about tiny stupid things but also big and important things because I know from experience that playing it cool and pretending that something doesn't matter is really exhausting and boring and adds nothing to your life and i think that every moment of joy that we can get is worthwhile thanks for coming to my TED talk
0: that was steph next up lou with another story about passion Hi. So the first time my mother ever spoke to me about sex um, really left quite the mark. Um, And it's because she said this, boys only want one thing. While you're off dreaming into the distance about them romantically, Lobie, they're sitting there Imagining that they're taking over companies and the world. And I will tell you one thing before you know it, your knickers will be swinging around your ankles. I was nine. And for about weeks afterwards, right, whenever I went back to school and I saw boys in the playground or I saw boys in my class, I just remember thinking to myself, my God, he only wants one thing. That boy wants my knickers swinging around my ankles. Okay. Now, the thing was when my mother gave me the sex talk, she drew diagrams about stuff because, you know, there's some biology involved. And amidst the diagram, she'd sort of done the bits and bobs and how they all sort of slotted into each other. But for the love of me, I could not imagine how somehow in a Y-shaped configuration, my knickers were going to be swinging like a hula hoop around my ankles. I just couldn't work it out. But then I realised James Leeds knew. Fake name. James Leeds knew. And he was nine and in my class as well. He'd been asking to borrow my ruler for weeks, but I knew what he really wanted. And also too the fact that he was a dirty little bastard. I'd been enlightened. There was also Saucy Philip Ely, fake name. Mind you, we are going back to 1984, so, hey. There was also Saucy little Philip Ely with his yo-yo in 1984, 1985, it was a big thing then. And he used to walk that thing around, walk the dog or whatever it was called, and I now realised it was really a penis on a string because my mother had told me that's what it was, Okay. I knew. I knew that's what it was. But then it occurred to me, this is a little bit of a confession, that I've been wanking since I was seven. (laughs) But the thing is, I didn't know that's what it was at the time, okay? I just thought it was something that felt really nice. And I remember going up to my friend, Megan Watkins, fake name. And I remember going up to Megan and just going, Megan, 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 Megan. There's this thing you can do. It's uh down in the mini bits check it out when you get home tonight and it was all very innocent okay and megan came up to me within a couple of days and she said Lou, 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 real name you know that thing it's really good and then shortly afterwards i'm not sure whether it was days or weeks or months i ran up to megan in the playground i went megan 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 you know that thing i told you about keep doing it <laughs> it gets better <laughs> Okay, so the thing was, on I went wanking merrily on my way for a good couple of years without having a thought in the world that there was anything shameful or wrong with this. It was just something that I discovered, yoo-hoo, woolly me. Until one day, my older brother, who was in his late teens, or about 20 at the time, um, so what's this, 1985, yeah, okay, so I was about, yeah, seven, eight, nine. I heard him shouting at the television, and this is what he was shouting. Let me watch out for the microphone. You fucking merchant banker! And I thought, my God, my brother is really angry at whoever this is on the television, this merchant banker. Obviously, being a merchant banker cannot be a good thing. I would not want my brother to be angry with me the way that he is with this man, this merchant banker on the television. So I went to the school library, And I thought, what's a merchant banker? And I looked up in the local slang dictionary the word for merchant banker, and it said, wanker. And I thought, well, I still didn't know the word, remember. I thought, well, what's a wanker? So I thought, I went away to another normal dictionary, and I looked up the word wanker, and it said masturbation or masturbate. And I thought, well, it's just getting more and more scientific by the minute, but I don't know what that means. I wish you could have seen my face when I looked up the word masturbate in the dictionary. And as my head came out of that dictionary, the realization as I joined all the dots together of what I'd been doing for a few years went something like this. Oh my God. I'm a wanker. (laughs) I'm a merchant banker. (laughs) And suddenly all the shame started setting in. And I swore to myself that from that moment, because I'd been born a wanker, I'd been born one of those, you know, men that my brother shouted out on the telly that I was going to have to quit. So I tried to wean myself off and ration myself out like it was a prescription, you know. And every now and then when I gave in, I thought it was like a drug addict with shame who'd given in to their own impulses. And so it occurred to me, thinking about passion as under you know, this umbrella of sort of sexual awakening, that all of the shame that I kind of had associated, which in a now pretty funny way, you know, I spent years and years and years trying to unravel and discovering my own sexuality in so many ways. And it's finally occurred to me through many journeys and perhaps many more merchant banking journeys to go. That it's my right to have my own knickers swinging around my ankles, should I so choose, or it's my right to have theirs swinging around theirs while I dream about owning companies and taking over the world.
1: Thanks for listening to Spark True Stories. If you love what we do,
0: please help us spread the word
1: by leaving us a review on iTunes.
0: For more true stories, and to see a live event, head to stories.co.uk. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott.